Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Wow. Well, God bless you. God bless you guys. My name is Pastor Ernst. Yeah. And I have the awesome privilege of pastoring this awesome church, Life Church. If this is your very first time, we welcome you. Thank you for taking the time, being here. Wow. All I can say is wow, right? <laughs> All I can say is wow. Um, we, for those who don't know our history, our story, um, we are coming into our ninth year as a church. Uh, we started in 2010. September 2010 and from the very beginning of our existence we've shared a church building and uh, that was just because we were starting off and we were not in a position to have a space of our own so the Lord gave us favor uh, he gave us favor with three different churches three different locations we first started off at East 92nd Street in Canarsie and then we went on to Remsen and then we ended up at Liberty Hall Cathedral of Praise and uh, they've been great to us. All the churches, uh, we, were, we were blessed to be there for the time that we were there. And so we were always pre appreciative. But you know, when you're sharing a space, you're limited in what you can do. And there's certain things you just don't have the flexibility to do. Uh, so this, this building opened up for us just a couple of months ago. We weren't, we weren't on an active campaign to raise funds. We weren't pushing people to you know, save up for a place. Uh, it just kind of stumbled upon us. And when it did, I prayed about it and I felt the peace of the Lord. And I said, I think this is the Lord's doing. I think he's opening up a space for us. And uh, we presented it before the church and you guys made it happen. Praise God. You guys made it happen. Yes. You know, we, uh, our campaign was to raise about $50,000. And uh, many of you have given towards that goal. And that has enabled us to have this place ready in literally one month and a half yeah one month and a half praise God yeah and I, I really credit Life Church because again we weren't prepping for this we didn't push for this we didn't say hey you know we're gonna be doing this so I just pretty much presented it and you guys responded and I'm so appreciative of that Amen. I'm appreciative of Winners Church who also sold into that project thank you Praise God. We have another church, City Light, in Manhattan. They sold into that. Praise God. We have people that don't even go to our church that were excited and said, I want to give. And so um, we, we are here for that reason. And I wish I could show you exactly what it looked like before, but it did not look anything like this. As you can see, this was once a church building, and that was the stage, and, and we decided to do something a little different, so that's why we've oriented it this way, and um, we put a lot of care and a lot of thought, a lot of planning into it, and uh, I just want to give a, a, a shout out to all of our team members. My God, you guys are so awesome. My goodness. I mean... I. I can't list every single individual, but let me just give you the, the gist of what I saw, particularly this week. I mean, you guys came in and cleaned, you got straightened, you set up, you've prayed, you've encouraged, you've shared your faith, you 
you really, really made this happen. And I just can't, I, my heart is truly overwhelmed, honestly. When I would see the love and support, uh, people are just so excited about being here. And it, it shows, you know, it shows because in the community that we're here, that, that, that we're in now, people can see that excitement. And this is our soft launch. So everybody say soft launch. Which means we didn't really advertise to the community yet. We're planning on doing that um, in September. Well, we're, we're planning on doing that leading up to September. September will be our official launch to the community. We have a major event that we're planning to be a blessing to the community. And our expectation is to have to go to two services in the fall. Right? Praise God. That's what we're expecting. We're expecting to be able to do that, to serve the people of God here. And um, so just get ready. It's going to require. Now, remember, late last year, it was actually December 31st. I spoke out of my spirit, man. And I said, this will be a year of stretching. Someone say stretching. stretching. Who, who, who remember that? Who, who remembers that word? Okay. You remember that? All right. That was December 31st. And I declared that you're going to be stretched financially and you're giving. And I didn't know any of this was going to happen. I didn't know any, but I just felt this is going to be a year of stretching. And many of you have been stretched. Yeah. That's a true word. Amen. Many of you have been stretched. You've been stretching. And I want to say stretch some more. <laughs> because um, we got a lot of work to do. We're not here for ourselves. How many know that? We're not here just to have a good old nice church. You know, no, we're not here for that. We're here for people who have yet to discover the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's why we're here. That's why we plan. That's why we spend. That's why we work. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're here for those who have yet to know the truth. And so that's why I say we're going to stretch some more. And what that means is, uh, as I mentioned, August 31st, if you could put that, put that date in your calendar, August 31st is a day that we are calling our life community event where we're going to be um, really focusing on the complex that's right across the street from us the housing complex right across the street from us they have given us favor to be there if you if you walk through you'll see there's a major like lot of, of this is just this a whole bunch of space there's picnic tables there's grassy areas and they've given us the permission to go there and to uh, just do an event and reach people there. Praise God, it's a 110 unit complex. So that's what we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be positioning ourselves there. We're also gonna be having an event here in the morning for mothers. Uh, Normel and, and Melissa are putting together an event called Mom's Den, where they pamper mothers and they help their children get ready for school by providing backpacks and school supplies and other services and so we have some space in the back there for that and some space here obviously that they'll utilize so we really want to we want to go and touch everybody and so somebody say stretch some more <laughs> all right so what that really means is that we want you to be plugged into what we're doing if you don't have a church home many of you are coming from other churches so bless bless you for being here and support but if you're here and you don't have a church home or you feel like the lord may be bringing you here we welcome you there's going to be a lot of work to do and we're excited about that and so we encourage you to stay plugged also another thing that we're working towards is re-establishing our children's church yes uh, and we're, we're working on that we're going to start that very soon 
in the fall season. We need to. It's a must. Somebody say it's a must. There is too many kids in this community for us not to have a viable children's ministry. It would be a sin for us. I'm telling you, really. There, it, 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 would be, it would be wrong of us not to do that. So we are working on putting the right people in place, reassembling our team. You know, we, we had some dedicated people uh, that serve the children in times past, and they're still here with us. And many of them have, have communicated, passed up, we're ready, we're ready to go. So we're going to be reigniting that team. But we also want to encourage others. Maybe you feel that you have a, a passion for children and you want to be involved in that. There's going to be opportunity for you to be involved in that. So we really want you to stay plugged because in the month of September, God willing, we'll be in a position to launch our children's church again. Come on. Are you excited about that? Yes, I'm very excited about that. So God is good. Glory to God. And uh, there's some good things in store for us. I want to share the word of God with you in a little bit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are here and the presence of God is here. I thank you, Lord God, that you have a word from heaven to share. I thank you, Lord God, that you will do something amazing in this place. You are already stirring the hearts of your people. And Lord God, today is a blessed day. I bless every individual in this place, every family, every child. I declare in the name of the Lord Jesus, may the hand of the Lord and his grace rest over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that I've experienced in this process, and I'll explain what this is in a little bit. I know you're probably wondering, what is this about? But this is something that the Lord has given me to illustrate the message that he has for you today. And one of the things that I've witnessed and we've witnessed as a church throughout, I would say the last couple of months, is the grace of God. You know, you can push through life or you could experience grace. And I, I've discovered that some of us, we're pushing through life and life feels like a grind. You don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about that. Does life feel like a grind to you? Jesus has an answer for you. I'm not here to tell you that there won't be moments where there's intensity and you're working and you, know, you feel a little bit of a grind, but life should not be a continual grind. And I believe that the word of the Lord towards you today is to alleviate that grind. It's to alleviate that constant feel that you have to push through life. If you're constantly feeling, I have to push for the things I need. I have to push for the things I want. I have to push for the things that matter to me. God has a different way. He has a better way. He has a better way for you. And he wants you to experience a better way of living. He wants your life to be built not on grinding, but on experiencing his grace. And maybe you've heard that term before, grace, and you, you kind of understand what that means. And maybe it means this. And mean, but for this message, really what I want to share with you is grace is the thing. It's the empowerment that makes things easier. Somebody say easier. easier. Grace makes things easier. 
I want you to think about it. Grace makes things easier. This thing to my right is called the pulley, right? We know what this is, right? Now, I'm going to ask my daughter, where is she? Sophia, can you come? Oh, she's not here. I th- I see, I told her to be prepared. No grace for her. Messing up my message. Come here, Sophia. Give my daughter a hand. Come on the other side, honey. Yeah, my beautiful girl. Now, honey, I want you to see if you can lift this can of paint with one hand. Okay. Look at this girl. (laughs) Trying to mess up my message here. No. How heavy is it? It's pretty heavy. Can you lift it up, say, four or five times? Okay. All right. Trying to show off now. Okay. That's cool. You know, her middle name is Grace, so that, that's, that's the reason why. How about with your right hand? Can you do that with your right hand? Wow. Look at this girl. All right. Okay, now put it down here, honey. Woo! Give her a hand. Now, this is called, what is this called, people? It's a pulley, right? This, is, this I believe, is one of, the, one of the most important inventions known to mankind. I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but I'm trying to tell you that a pulley system affects our life every single day without us even realizing. Even the elevators you go on, the high-rises, the skyscrapers, you would think that they would make it more automated, something that, some hydraulic system that just, but most of them still operate with a pulley system. The high cranes you see, right, that are building and constructing, that's all a pulley system. So honey, I want you to take this rope here, right there, and I want you to pull it down. Okay, that's good. Now, right, I'm gonna hold it over here, and I want you to put your hand over here, pull it down over here. Now, was that easier to pull when you, when you pulled it on top, or was it easier to pull when you pulled it on the bottom? On top, right? So the more you pulled, what happened? It became lighter. Keep pulling, let me see you pull again. Okay. Now, do you think you can lift this up more this way than that way? Do you think you can lift this up more this way than the other way? Harder. Which is easier for you? When you pull it? When you pull it that way. Oh, really? Okay. You want to put it to a test? How, how, How heavy is it now? Is it? Okay. She's messing up my sermon. It's okay. (laughs) She's just too strong. That's what it is. And the rope is too short. That's what it is. You get the idea, right, guys? Thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate it. Give her a hand. The illustration that the Lord gave me was to show that many people are pushing and they're doing life in a way that is harder than he intended for them. 
And this small little thing here, this pulley system, is designed to make things easier. Why? Because the tension and the pressure rests on this. This is what... This, I want you to pretend that this is Jesus. Now, you still have to do some work. You still have to pull. But what he wants you to do is not push through life, but he wants you to pull on grace. As you pull on grace, life becomes easier and it becomes lighter. In the very beginning, it may be a little tough, but as you keep lifting, you keep pulling, the grace keeps flowing. And I want to show you through scripture how God intends for you to pull on grace because God wants things to get easier for you. And I just want to prophesy this over you now. It will get easier. It will get easier. It will get easier because God's grace is with you. And as you pull on his grace, it's going to get easier. Here's a very familiar portion of scripture found in Psalm 127. And this is a psalm that actually Solomon wrote. If you didn't know, David didn't write all the psalms. Solomon wrote this psalm and you could, you could see why he wrote it based on what it says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. Now, Solomon was commissioned to build the temple. So he understood the work involved with building. He understood the work involved with constructing. He understood all the labor, all the different factors, all the different people and resources. And he said, look. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. That means you can build something, but that thing you built could be a vain thing. And I want you to not look at this house as a temple or a building. I want you to look at this house as your body, your life, the temple of the Holy Spirit, what God is constructing in you. God wants you to build your life a certain way. And if you don't allow God to build it, you can build it, but it will be harder and it will be in vain. And so he says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So in the temple, around the temple, you had watchmen, you had guards, you had people that stood out all night, making sure that the temple building was safe, that was kept in order. And he says, unless the Lord is watching, those who are watching it are doing it for naught. Now, I want, you be, I want you to be very clear. He's not saying you shouldn't watch it. He's not saying that you shouldn't work. He's not saying you shouldn't build. But he's saying something more profound, that while you're working, while you're watching, while you're constructing, if God is not involved in it, you're wasting your time. And the reason why you're wasting your time is because it's going to become harder and it's going to be fruitless. It is vain. Oh, this is for people who can't sleep at night. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late. There are people who think that if I 
you know, get minimal sleep. I rise up early. I sleep late. I do all the things. I'm, I'm grinding out. I, I don't need a lot of sleep. I just two, two, three hours. If I work like that, if I live like that, if I put all the pressure on me, then I'll get further along in life. And God is saying, that's vanity. That's vanity. You think, and I, I'm not saying on occasion here and there. I'm not talking about a special circumstance, a special situation. I'm talking about people who live like this. They have to burn the midnight oil. They feel like they have to constantly grind it out where they don't take care of their bodies. They don't take care of their families. They don't, care, they don't take care of their own life. And they feel like this is what life is. Life is a grind. You got to do this. Nope. God is saying that's vain. It's vain. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Thank God for sleep. You know what I do? Because I've, I've, I've had to remember the scripture. Sometimes it's late at night, maybe like 11, and I'm still like working on some things. And this scripture will come to mind. It says, nope, go to sleep. I will do more. I will do more if you do less. Go to sleep. Sometimes, you know, it feels like you have a lot to do. And, you know, I have, I have kids. I have a daughter who's eight turning nine, and she wants to play at times. I have a wife. I have, you know, sometimes I have to stop myself and say, you know what? I'm going to leave it undone. And I've noticed something. Every time I declared, I'm going to leave this undone, God does his best work. This is what it means to pull on grace. Lord, I haven't figured it out yet. It's 11 o'clock. I'm going to sleep. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And then in the middle of the night, what I was trying to figure out, I figured it out through a dream. I wake up. I hear the voice of God. I wake up. I feel refreshed. I'm able to do more. Why? He gives his beloved sleep. So if you need sleep today, this is what it looks like. It's pulling on the grace of God. Lord, I did my part. Lord, I worked the best that I could work. I haven't figured it out. I'm going to rest. And you're going to do the rest. I believe that some of the reasons why God doesn't intervene with certain things is because we haven't given him space to intervene. When you step aside and you allow him to step in, he will and he will make things easier for you. I'm telling you, this works for every area of your life. If you're pushing, trying to change people, there are people who are trying to change loved ones. They argue, they argue, they argue. Yo, you're going to see my point. You're going to get it through your head. You're going to change this behavior. And you push and you push. And guess what you're doing? You're pushing them away. But when you decide... Wait a minute. I am not the one who controls your emotions, who controls your heart. I'm not the one who can influence deep parts of your life. I can't do that. Lord, that's your department. I'm going to rest. I'm going to pull on grace and rest. What ends up happening? God now has room to move. 
And so one of the things I just feel to tell you, if you've been fighting with people, arguing, trying to get your way, it's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen when you come to a position of rest and you say to yourself, I'm going to relax. God got this. Someone say, relax. God got this. Let me tell you something. Every single time you take that approach, you see God's best work. Remember Gideon's army? If you don't know the story, Gideon was going to go to battle. Gideon was a, 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 an army general. He was leading his army into war. And he had about 30, I think 32,000 to start off with, if I'm not mistaken. 30 or 32,000 to start off with. And God whittled it down to 300. He says, all these thousands of people that you have, unnecessary. I want you to do it with less. I want to do something supernatural with less. So sometimes you think that you need a whole bunch more, but the reality is you don't. And it's when you have less, many times God can perform his best. Why does God do that? So that it is clear in your heart that you got to where you got to because of me. Not because of a resource, not because of a relationship, not because of, no, I am the God who brought you to this point. This is why I will constantly weed out things that you think are so important. They're not. They're not. And when you Come to that realization, this is not that important. I can do without this. This is nice, but I don't need this. I can do without it. What happens? You are now in a position of rest. Grace begins to flow. But isn't it harder to hold on to things? Hold on to people? Hold on to jobs? Hold on to things that you think you need in order for you to get to where you need to go to? Isn't it harder? Isn't it more work to have to manage all of that? How about if you repose and you say, you know what? I don't need this. What ends up happening? It ends up chasing you down. God wants you to rest in the name of the Lord Jesus. He wants you to build your life on rest. That's why I love to say this. What if I lose this? What if I lose that? Oh, well, so what? You need to begin to play the what if game. You need, what, what, what if it's so pronounced in your mind that you think, I need this? No, start playing the what if game. What, what if this person leaves me? What if this job lets me go? What if I don't have this? What if? What if? Bring it down to when you can't say any more what ifs. And you know what you'll end up with? God. Let that, let that really settle in your heart and let that bring a peace to you. That's what keeps you in a place of rest. Somebody say, relax. God got this. This is where I want to go next. Number two, and this is going to really speak to you. I want you to pay careful attention. Accept who you are. Accept who you are. I was praying and this came heavily to me. And I thought the Lord was telling me, many of my people do not accept who they are. They're constantly critical of who they are. They don't like how they look. They don't like how they sound. They 
they constantly disqualify themselves. And here's the danger behind it. I never really saw this. When you do that, you short circuit the grace that wants to flow. Because acceptance means grace. When you don't accept yourself, you don't accept grace. Accept who you are. Accept your quirky personality. It's okay. Accept your personal style. It's okay. I really want you to believe that. Don't try to be something you're not. Because the minute you do that, life becomes harder. And there's a person in the Bible, we're going to look at his life, who I believe had a struggle with who he was. Didn't really realize who he was. You know, even though God made him a certain way, even though God used him in spite of certain things, he had to come to a place where he had to settle. Yeah, you know what? I am who I am because of God's grace. And that person is the Apostle Paul. I want you to know something about Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He threw Christians in jail. He allowed Christians to be slaughtered. Stephen, who was a martyr, Paul assisted in his martyrdom. He encouraged it. He dragged Christians. He did foul things. And yet, God brought him to a place where he's now preaching the gospel. Can you imagine how he would have to handle that? Lord, I feel like a hypocrite. Lord, how, how could I preach this gospel when there's a dead man on my conscience? If I didn't do what I had, if I didn't do what I did, Stephen might still be alive. I want you to think about that. Think about what it is to be responsible for someone's death. See, some of you, many of, hopefully all of us, can't relate to that. <laughs> but some people can. How do you handle dealing with that weight on your shoulder that if it wasn't because of you, this person would have been alive. Not only that, Paul, he wasn't down with Jesus when Jesus was alive. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He wasn't like Peter and John. He wasn't, he wasn't there to see the miracles. You could imagine him having a struggle with his identity. Am I really called to this? Like, maybe Peter should do this. I mean, he was there the whole time. Maybe John should do this. I mean, maybe Bartholomew, maybe these guys should do this. Why, why me? I'm the one who actually killed Christians, brought them to prison. Why are you choosing me? That was a struggle. And he came to a place in his life where he realized, you know what? I am who I am because of God's grace. And that gave him, I believe, the greatest revelation of grace than any of the apostles. I want you to think about that. Are you accepting of yourself? Or do you look at yourself as to this and to that and not enough this and always doing this? Do you truly like who you are? The reason why I'm saying this is because if you don't, you're going to have a hard life. But if you come to a place where you realize God made me who I am and I like who I am. And that's a prayer that you got to pray. Lord, help me to like me. Help me to like who I, help me to really appreciate who I am. 
When you do, when you get to that place, the grace of God begins to flow towards you. Let's look at the scripture found in Galatians 1.15. But when it pleased God, this is interesting, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. This is Paul speaking about himself. Now, here's the, re here's the reality of this. Paul came to a revelation that when I was in my mother's womb, think about it, that's when God had his hand on me. Think about that. So God's hand is on Paul while he's in his mother's womb, but yet Paul gets older and he persecutes Christians. What happened to the hand of God? I don't understand. You separated me from my mother's womb, so you knew me when I was just a little baby in my mother's womb, but I grew up and I persecuted Christians. I persecuted Christians. I'm responsible, again, for the death of Stephen. I dragged Christians to prison, but yet you separated me from my mother's womb. How do you deal with that? Well, this is what you call grace. Grace takes you back to the beginning. Glory to God. Grace makes everything in between the beginning and now sort of irrelevant. So I don't care what you did, how you did it, why you did it. What was the plan from the beginning? And I got to tell you something. God's hand was on you when you were in your mother's womb. That's what Paul had to remind himself. Yeah, I did dirty things. Yeah, I persecuted Christians. Yes, I was foul. But let me go. That's not the beginning. That's not the origin. The origin is that when I was in my mother's womb, God's hand was upon me. And that's where I'm going to live from. I'm going to live from purpose and destiny, which was before all of these other things that I had to deal with. This is how you live a life of grace. This is how life becomes easier for you. Let's look at another scripture here. Found in 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 13. And I thank Christ, Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. You know, what, you know what an insolent person is? Someone who is insulting. Someone who disparages. Someone who speaks negatively about. Someone who scoffs at. I was an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Let me get to the last one. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10. And this is how he felt. So this is not, and this, I want you to be very clear. Sometimes you can feel unworthy, but it doesn't mean you are. Paul felt unworthy at times, and he admits it. And one of the things I've shared with you before, and I want to say it again, you'll never see God agreeing with the statement, I'm not worthy. You'll see people saying, I'm not worthy. But you'll never see God Affirming that. Yes, you're not worthy. You'll never see that in Scripture. 
when Peter was in the boat and Jesus came and after he walked on water and or after after he had a haul, a huge haul of fish, when, when, when Jesus said, let down your net for a catch, and Peter was so amazed at the catch, he said, depart from me. Depart from me. I'm unworthy. I'm a sinful person. Jesus didn't say, you know what? You're right. I will depart. No, he stayed with him. He stayed with him. When the centurion had a servant who was sick, he said, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. Jesus said, he didn't say, you know what? You're right. You're not worthy. So I won't come. Jesus never affirmed that statement of unworthiness. But here's the reality. Sometimes we do feel unworthy. And the reason why we feel unworthy is because we get dirt on ourselves. Right? We get dirt on, and we look at ourselves like, man, I look tattered. You ever, you ever go to a party and you feel underdressed? Anybody can relate to that? Isn't that one of the most uncomfortable feelings? Like, man, I didn't know it was like this. <laughs> I've been there. You walk in and you're like, everyone's to the nine. And you're like, man, hey, how's it going? You know, I didn't know. <laughs> and that's how it feels. That's exactly how it feels. Sometimes you feel unworthy. You feel underdressed. You feel out of place. But that's just a feeling. That's just a feeling. The truth is you are worthy. Yeah. Let me give you a point of, of scripture to remember. Jesus gave a parable. He said the kingdom of God is like a man, right, who saw a pearl of great price. A, a pearl. He saw, think of a pearl. He saw this pearl. He says, I got to have this. This is, this is, I need this. It was, he was so moved by this pearl of great price that he sold everything he had in order to be able to purchase this. You are that pearl. You understand that? You are that pearl. That's what the father did. He gave his only begotten son. He gave everything he had. I don't have anything more than myself. I'm doing it, why? For unworthy people? For people who have no worth? People who are not valuable? That's why I'm doing this? No, because you have great value. Because you are worthy. That's why I'm doing this. You think I'm a silly person who's just gonna just give everything I have for, for, for no one? No. Obviously, I see great worth in you. You are worthy. And if you're worthy of Jesus, what aren't you worthy of? Think about that. If you're worthy of Jesus, what aren't you worthy of? But I know the feeling how it feels to feel unworthy. Lord, I just, I feel like this is too much. It's not... And that's how Paul felt. And so he says this, for I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of them. Why? I wasn't with them. I wasn't with Peter and John and, and, and James and all these apostles. I wasn't there. I'm the least. Who am not worthy to be called an apostle 
because I persecuted the church. Notice, he's going back again to what he did. It's what we do. I'm not worthy of this because I did this. I'm not worthy of this because I did that. I'm not worthy because I did this. I didn't do this. I didn't finish school. I'm not qualified. I don't accept myself as being right for this moment. Why? Because I didn't do this enough. I didn't work hard enough. Mm -mm. When you do that, you short circuit the grace of God. I want you to change that. He says, but by the grace of God. I am what I am. And what was he? He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So here's a question. Think about it. What was he? What was he? What was Paul? He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Well, what was he? Was he the least of all the apostles? So you see how sometimes when you read scripture, you have to understand the difference between someone's feeling and a doctrinal truth. Was he the least of the apostles? Some might say he was the greater. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written by him. So he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Well, what are you, Paul? Paul was the biggest foundational apostle. And how did he become that? Someone who persecuted, someone who dragged Christians to jail, someone who was an insolent man, a blasphemer, someone who was responsible for Stephen's death. How did he become one of the greatest apostles? By grace. And I believe this helped him and allowed him to manage through life, manage through his ministry so that he didn't constantly have this weight on him. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm worthy. I believe at times his emotions got him, but he came to the conclusion. But I am what I am because of God's grace. You are who you are because of God's grace. And you will experience more of that if you begin to accept who you are. This was an acceptance statement. I accept that I am great. I accept that I am who I am because of his grace. Have you accepted yourself? Have you come to that point where you've accepted yourself? I accept my personality. So long as it's not in violation of the word of God, I accept who I am. Yeah, maybe I'm a little reserved. I accept that about myself. Yeah. So long as it's not laced with fear, but if you're just a cool, calm, reserved person, I accept that. I accept that I'm loud and obnoxious sometimes. Oh, we got some loud people. All right. Yeah. And you know what? There's something about loud people. They're constantly told to be quiet. Why you got to be so loud? Why you got to be so loud? I accept who I am. Yeah. That's how you experience the grace of God. Accept who you are. Grace flows at the point of acceptance. Someone say, I accept who I am. Glory to God. And his grace toward me was not in vain. I love that. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, 
but the grace of God which was with me. This again is this. You still got to pull. There's still some tension. There's still some work. But you know what? It's not as hard when you're pulling through grace. So yeah, you got to work. Yeah, you got to study. Yeah, you might have to go back to school. Yeah, you might have to start that business. Yeah, you might need to stop watching TV. Yeah, you might need to do some things and discipline your time. Yeah, all of that is true. But do it through the lens of grace. Because as you do it and as you start, it may be a little harder. But as you keep pulling, it gets easier. Let me give you one more. Is this good? Number three, arise and start. Arise and start. I'm proud of you, Marsha. I'm looking at you here, and I know that you started a mental health counseling practice. Come on, give her a hand. It's a beautiful thing. Why is that awesome? Because it's very easy to just say, I'm not going to step out on my own. I'll just do it under the cover of someone else who did it. And it's okay to work for people. We're not disparaging that. But it takes courage to say, that is fine, but I'll also do this. I'm going to arise and start. That's how grace begins to flow. You know when grace flows? When you start. When you start. The reason why grace doesn't flow is because you haven't started. You are waiting for perfect circumstances. When you start, the grace will start to flow. Look at this. First Chronicles 22, 15 and 16. Moreover, and this is David speaking, and he's speaking about the provision for the temple, and he's speaking to, uh, he's setting up his son Solomon. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance. He's speaking to David. He's, he's speaking to Solomon. David's an older man. He's setting up his son. He's like, listen, you're going to build the temple. And he's telling them, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work of gold and silver and bronze and iron. There is no limit. Oh, I love that. There is no limit. Arise and begin working. Somebody say, arise, arise. and begin. begin. Arise and begin working. So work is not a bad four-letter word. It's okay to work. There's no, there's no cancellation of grace because you're working. Arise and begin working. And what happens when you do that? And the Lord be with you. In other words, God's grace will empower the work that you've begun to do. So even for us here as a church, we have a lot of work to do. And I can promise you this. The more we begin and the more we arise and begin to work, the more grace will flow and be will be poured all over us. Sometimes you might not know how things are going to get done. How how's the money going to come? You know, where, where, where is this going to happen? How's it going to happen? Where, listen, don't try to figure out all the details. Arise and begin. Arise and begin. 
Arise, I don't know how, but I'm, I'm going to start. Arise and begin, and the Lord be with you. That's what I'm here to tell you today. You want to experience the grace of God? Begin. Begin. So one of the things that we're going to begin to do as a church is we're going to begin setting up ministries that are going to be directly impacting the community, one of which is mental health counseling. That's awesome. I already mentioned this earlier. We're going to begin again our children's church. There's some, we don't have all the dots, all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. But you know what? We're not going to wait for perfect circumstances. We're going to arise and begin. And when we arise and begin, the Lord will be with us. Glory to God. I feel that. Some things are being held up because you haven't started. Start and it will start to flow. I'm excited about that. Can you think of some things that you need to start? Come on, start it, start it, start it. There is grace available for you. Start it. As you start it, it will begin to flow. I'm telling you. One of the reasons why people get excited to partner with people is because that person that they're partnering with has begun to do something. And they're like, wow, you're doing something. I'm excited about that. I want to be a part of that. No one's excited to be a part of something you're not doing. Wow, you're doing nothing? Let me be a part of that. That sounds cool. No one wants to be a part of that. So in other words, grace will flow towards those who start. The starters get the grace. Glory to God. I see starters and finishers in this house. Amen. And the last thing I'm going to share, it's not even on my notes, but I just feel the clothes on this. You know, one, I think this is one of the number one, one of the number one keys of experiencing the grace of God is very simple. Cry out for it. Yes. Cry out for it. We need to cry out for grace. God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. I need your grace. Lord, I don't know which way to go. I need your grace. Lord, I don't know how to handle this problem. I need your grace. The cry for grace is a cry that heaven always responds to. Solomon said that in a dream, I don't know which way to go. You've made me king. I don't know how to handle this responsibility. And God was like, okay, I got you. Because you cried for this, because this was on your heart, because this is what was important to you. I will give you what you didn't ask for and what you asked for. I will make it easier for you. I want to tell you, cry for grace. Wake up in the morning. Lord, I need your grace today. I'm about to deal with a difficult co-worker. I need your grace. I'm about to deal with a difficult boss, a difficult manager. I need your grace. Lord, I got customers that just kind of give me a hard time. I need your grace. 
Lord, help me with my husband. Help me with my wife. I need your grace in my sex life. Lord, help me, Lord God, with my children. I need your grace. Lord, I need your grace in my finances. I can't stop spending money. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Lord, I can't manage my diet. I'm eating like crazy, eating all kinds of... Help me, Lord. Grace. Yeah. <laughs> why does God respond to that kind of a cry because that's the kind of cry of humility I need you I can't without you that's the kind of cry that God responds to the Bible says he gives more grace to the humble when you're crying out for grace you're demonstrating humility you're saying Lord I can't without you Oh, I feel that we can all use another dose of grace. How about you? Right where you're sitting. Would you lift up your hands? Say, Lord, give me more grace. Cry out for grace right now. Come on, you know your own life. Call out for grace for specific situations. Grace for school. Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace, Lord God, in studying. I need your grace in my finances. I don't know how I'm going to get out of debt, but I need your grace. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this jam, but I need your grace. I don't know how I'm going to deal, Lord God, with this, but I need your grace. Come on. Cry out for grace. Cry out for grace. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to find that person that you have designed for me, but your grace, your grace, your grace is what I'm asking you for. Give me your grace, Lord God. I need your grace. Lord, I don't know how this situation is going to work out, but I'm looking to your grace. Come on, cry out for grace. Your grace. Lord, I'm taking my eyes off of people. I'm looking to the grace. I'm taking my eyes off of formulas. I'm looking to your grace. Come on, by the grace of God, call for it. Ask for it. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I need your grace. I want to speak grace over those who are in debt. I feel the burden to let you know that God wants to take you out and he can and he will call for grace Lord I don't know how I deal with these student loans but Lord your grace will get me out Lord I don't know how, Lord I made some bad mistakes I shouldn't have bought that car I shouldn't have bought this I, Lord I, I wish I would have been a little better that's okay your grace will cover it in the name of Jesus come on call for grace call for grace don't beat yourself up. Oh, I made a dumb decision here. I made it. No, Lord. I need your grace. Call for it now. He's here to give it to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God. I receive it now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I married the wrong person. Lord, I dated the wrong person. Lord, I feel like I, I just need your grace. I didn't take an opportunity that I should have taken. Lord, restore that opportunity right now. I need your grace. That's the cry that heaven responds to. Lord, I rushed this decision. I receive your grace right now. Come on, do you receive that? Now let's worship him for, your, for his grace. Come on, thank him for his grace. 
Would you thank him for his grace? Act like he's pouring it upon you right now. Act like he's making things easier for you right now. Act like things are going to get better for you right now. Thank you, Lord. I receive your grace. Yes, it's going to get easier for me. Yes, it's going to change. Yes, it's going to work out. Yes, my life is not over. Yes, I have a bright future. Your grace is with me. In the name of Jesus, I won't believe the lie that I've run out of time. Your grace is with me. Hallelujah. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is restoring right now. As you call, I just feel that you need to call out. As you call for it, the Lord is restoring what was lost. What was lost is being restored right now. Mm. This is the season where you stop rehearsing the past and the mistakes and how you could have done this better and how you wish you did that. No, this is a day of grace for you. In the name of Jesus, I receive your grace, Lord. I receive, I receive your grace. In the name of Jesus, I receive your grace. Hallelujah. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, Want to give a donation or would like more information about Life Church? Visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.